you can be the one that makes or breaks you. What is happening, everyone? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 275 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride towards your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's conversation, I am chatting with Vashti Cunningham. She is an Olympic high jumper. She's also a six-time national champion, a Nike athlete, a Red Bull athlete. And candidly, this conversation was one of my favorites of recent memory. And that's large in part because she's so open and honest with me in a really beautiful way, talking about everything from her deep-rooted connection with her faith to the highs and lows of sport. Vashti has been in the game for a minute. She first tackled the high jump back in fourth grade, and now she is admitting that there are highs and lows as an athlete. There are good years versus maybe some not-so-stellar years, and all of these things, she has a greater understanding, are happening for her to make her better and to teach her something. Vashti gets really open about the difficulties that came with not performing as she had hoped at World Championships this year, and she also talks about her journey to being someone that she wants others to respect, admire, and ultimately look up to. She talks about how she knows she wants to make others feel when she walks out of the room and candidly, the hurdles that come hand in hand with that. You know, I've been taking a new approach or maybe a little bit of a pivot from my old approach to how I interview people on the show lately. And I have just come to this place where I really not only want you, the hurdler, to get to know who I'm sitting down with, but then also I want it to be a conversation and I want us to talk about different topics. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. I hope that you're having fun listening to this pivoted format. And I'm always open to your thoughts, your feedback. So if you have them, you know how to reach us. We're over on social over at Hurdle Podcast and also available on email over at hello at hurdle.us. Make sure you're following the show over on social. I am over also at Emily Abadi. And if you're not subscribed to the Weekly Hurdle, last Friday, I sent out some of my favorite gear picks, things I love, things I have already purchased for my friends and family. And the best part is that they are all on sale. So subscribe. It's absolutely free. I'd love to bring you all of that and also the things that you love about the show, the inspiration, the motivation, all the goodness directly in your inbox every single Friday. On the heels of Thanksgiving, one more time, I want to reiterate how grateful I am for each of you for the Hurdle community. I feel like I have the best, best job in the world. With that, Let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling. Today, 
today, I am sitting down with Vashti Cunningham. She is an Olympic high jumper. She's a six-time national champion, a Nike athlete, a Red Bull athlete. How are we doing today, Vashti? Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so happy to be on this podcast with you and just to, you know, have a good conversation. We need a good conversation. I feel like I look forward to this moment in my day because it allows me to have like a genuine connection with someone else as someone who spends a lot of my time alone. I kind of look forward (laughs) to this. I understand what you mean. (laughs) Something that I love about you and everything that you stand for is you're very rooted in your faith. And that's actually where I want to start our conversation today. I had the good fortune to be at World Champs this year in Budapest and see you compete. I was at the last World Champs. I've seen you many a times in Eugene. I have a favorite photo of you, and it's from our girl, Courtney White. And you're chatting with your dad, who happens to be your coach. And the caption on that photo is all about your faith after coming in 11th at this year's Worlds. So start us off today by talking a little bit about what it means to you, both your faith and being able to share your sport with your dad. Okay, I would love to start off by talking about my faith because it's the most important key that my parents and my siblings, like we have to relate about and we can always sit there and be accountable for each other with. And I really, really depend on my family a lot with with my career in sports. And so I don't know, I've, I've always been in the church and I've always been a Christian. My parents have always been pastors, but there came a point where I just decided that I'm pursuing this love relationship with God for myself and not because of people around me. And that was kind of like, I saw a switch in everything. I saw a switch in my happiness and in my peace in life. And I saw a switch in my training, my competition, my results. And I was like, riding the wave. I was like, you know what? Like I am with Christ. He got me. And so I, you know, I I just had like a very high expectations going into Budapest because of the work that I knew I was putting in behind the scenes spiritually. And I actually couldn't really come to terms with my my final placement at 11th place. I couldn't really come to terms with that while I was still in Budapest or even going into the next competition. I just figured like, why am I finishing in 11th place and I've changed my whole life for the better? You know what I'm saying? And I realized that my intention and my heart was not in the right place. Even if I'm chasing a relationship with God and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm changing the way I speak, changing the way that I think, if ultimately I'm doing this to receive, you know, earthly materials, a medal, a place, if I'm doing all of that to receive, then I'm really not doing it at all. I'm just like substituting. And so that was like a big lesson for me after world championships and after my final competition. And here's where my dad comes in. He's my pastor and he's just been able to help me navigate the pressure of this sport and the pressure of this level. And he's also able to tie in the proper way to serve the Lord with my heart in the right place. It's so interesting to hear you say that it wasn't that you were frustrated that you had put in the work physically. It was more so that you were frustrated about the fact that you felt as though you were really adapting and changing within your relationship with your faith. And that is Mm -hmm. what should have changed that result. 
Talk to me a little bit about the behind the scenes that went into heading into world championships this year. The physical is the main aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I like to start out with the spiritual aspect because the athletes, we, we push our body to the test and we fight and we grind and it's a long season. And so I feel like going into the season, I came in more confident than I've ever come in. I came in with more joy than I've ever come back to a season because personal opinion, a month is not enough off. That's just how I feel. <laughs> so I go back into the season next year. I'm like, forget, forget that stuff. Just have joy when you do it. And so like, I honestly had an amazing year training. I had probably my most successful year training. I had an actually amazing performance. My stats this year were not that bad either. And I honestly think it was because I was able to come to practice with a refreshed mind and push my body. I didn't have any injuries last year. So there was nothing holding me back physically. And that's the part that I feel like most athletes struggle with that is the physical hold back of the body breaking down or of injuries. And I didn't really experience that, that last year. I've experienced it every year before that, but not last year. And so for that was also like mentally messing me up. I'm like, my ankles haven't hurt all season. I've been lifting my butt off all year, going hard on every exercise. Why am I not jumping high? You know what I'm saying? And it just comes to a point of understanding like, you're not always going to get first place, but that doesn't take away the work that you put in and it doesn't take away what you've done to get to where you are. And that kind of helped me, that kind of helped me mentally when I approached the physical side was like, okay, the physical is there. You're strong. Now we need to fix the mental side of things. Yeah, that's <clears throat> such a hard lesson to learn and something that I know that so many individuals that are listening to our conversation really struggle with this frustration over being in a place where you're putting in the work and you feel as though it's truly not paying off yeah. for someone who can really sympathize with that frustration. What advice do you have for them when they feel as though they're down and out and it's just not clicking? My advice to people going through that type of similar thing that I've been going through is to find balance that's always my advice to athletes is to find balance away from the sport. For me, it comes in my faith and it also comes in the things that I like to do. I love fashion. I love photography. So when my practices end, I am not talking about track for the rest of the day. I'm either going to go and try and thrift around, find some, some vintage pieces or take pictures or just sit and like, just give myself to something else that I actually enjoy because then you kind of like go into the next day. For me, it's practice the next day. And I'm just like, okay, I have a little bit of peace because I actually smiled yesterday after practice. I did something that I enjoyed. I had a good time. And now I can come back into this a little bit more refreshed, even if, you know, the season that you're going through is what we're talking about, just not physically being there, but putting in all the work. My advice is just to find balance and also to be gracious with yourself because like, your body is not meant to go at 100% every single day. You know what I'm saying? Recovery and rest is such a part of everything that I feel like mentally we also need to recover and we also need to rest our brains. For sure. How do you recover? What are your top priorities in terms of what you like to incorporate into the mix? 
Well, like I said, I really enjoy fashion and photography. So those for me are like recovery. I can go to the antique mall and just walk around and find some stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool. There's something new in my life. There's something new in my day. Like I didn't just go to practice and come back and I practice again. Like now I have something to kind of feel a little bit excited about, even though it's material, like just like stuff that I enjoy to do. I enjoy being at home. So coming home after practice and knowing I'm going to chill for a little bit and I'm not going to rush to go do anything gives me peace. And, you know, just just giving yourself time to do other things you're interested in. I love that that's where you went with this answer because so many (laughs) other athletes would be like, well, I'm more of a sauna person or I'm more Mm -hmm. of a cold plunge person or I like to go sit in my Normatec booth. And you're like, I like to go to the antique shop. Yeah, like I need a break from everything that has to do with track. The sauna is track. (laughs) (laughs) I dig it. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Also feel as though for context, for those that don't know much about the high jump, we should kind of fill them in before we keep going. Let's start with the basics. Give me Vashti Cunningham's 101 high jump go. Okay, so high jump 101. High jump is essentially a run with a vertical jump at the end. It's not the same as pole vault where you actually where you actually use something to catapult yourself. You actually just rely completely on your legs and also arms, you know, everything, but you just are using what you're born with to go and jump over a vertical bar. So my I take nine steps in my approach. Um and then you're going to run kind of like a J. So your first part of your approach will be straight and then you'll start curving into a J and then just take off of, off of one foot. And so here's the rules behind high jump. You have three opportunities to make every height. So you can make a height on the first attempt and it automatically be moved up to the next height, or you can miss two heights and make it on your last attempt and just make it into the next height. But all around, you want to conserve your energy. So Clearing bars on the first height is like praise. It's kind of simple. I actually thought that was a great breakdown. Nine steps. Is that average? Is that less? More? What's like, give me a rundown of comparatives here. I honestly, yeah, I'd say it's pretty average. A lot of people like to do a couple of, just like a couple of shuffle steps or short steps before they actually hit their mark into their nine steps. And it's mostly to build up speed. So some people may look like they have a longer approach and then their approach could consist of nine steps towards the bar. So how does someone get in to doing the high jump? (laughs) Where did your excitement for jumping over a bar really come from? Okay, so I actually started high jump when I was in fourth grade. And the first day that I came to high jump, I had never seen it, never heard of it. I had zero, zero experience or knowledge of high jump. And even the first time that I came to a track in just a track in general, I had never seen one. I've never been on one. I was just blown away by like, this is in my city. And I never knew this was here. And like people come here because they know it's here. You know what I'm saying? So that's so interesting, though, like that perspective on like, oh, this track is here and anyone can use it. Like, what a cool thing. I think that so many of us know that something like this is available to us. But there is such a hesitancy about that first time about being a beginner. And while completely understandable, it sounds as though it felt like an opportunity for you and not so much a oh my God, this is really scary. Yeah. 
it was almost like my dad brought me and like didn't say anything he just like had me walk onto the track and I was already like whoa why is it squishy like I want to take my flip-flops off I want to jump on it I want to bounce on it I want to see like what's different about this and so I think I had like such a beautiful entrance into the sport it was so natural it was just like somebody provided an opportunity for me to just come into this. I didn't have any, my, there was no expectations. You know what I'm saying? My dad just brought me. He didn't say, we're going to try out with this team. You're going to go watch anyone. He just brought me. And so it was like, I got to like fall in love with it myself. I think it would be uh, an oversight if we didn't also state here that your father was also an NFL quarterback. So you from a young age were surrounded with sport. Oh yeah. From the time I don't remember like a time where I didn't know about sports. Like I'm thinking about when the first time I thought about sports was, and I, I can't remember. I think I just was (laughs) born into sports. (laughs) And it wasn't just your father's influence on you. Also, you had siblings who were extremely active in sport. Yes. My older brother, he's two years older than me. Um, he's like my best friend. I'm, I'm very close with all of my siblings, but me and my brother were just really close, probably after sixth grade. That was when our feuding stopped. But just even before, I just always wanted to keep up with him. I always wanted to hang out with him and his friends because they were doing stuff that required energy. And I had all the energy in the world. I was like, I want to race you guys. I want to go to the skate park with you guys. I want to beat you guys. And I want you guys to know, like, give me my props when I beat you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just this young girl And my brother was so athletic. I was watching my dad just coaching him in football, him playing basketball, him playing baseball. Like I was always attending his games. And so I think that just put like this fire inside me of just watching someone that I'm so close to become so great that I just like wanted to be right there with him. Yeah. Now, uh, for those that don't know, Vashti is quite tall and quite slender. (laughs) Coming up in sport, how did it feel for you to present in this body type? It was, um, I think it was more, I think it was actually less on my mind in sports than it was in school. Because in sports... Yeah, I was going to say in sports, you kind of see that freak looking person that you're like, they might have it. You know what I'm saying? Like they're tall. They might just be able to dunk or they might be super fast or just have stupid hops. So I think that like for me, going to school is a bit strange because I was the tallest person. I was the skinniest person. I was one of the only black like black girls in my school at the time in my grade. I mean, I, I had a I had friends from my church and we went to the same school and all that. So it wasn't like a thing, but I just always noticed that I stood out among my Mm. peers. And honestly, I went to a small school. So everybody in my class was on my team, (laughs) but there was like a, a separation. Like I think people knew who my dad was. So when it was, whenever it was me involved with sports, I just kind of like, didn't really look around. Like I was like, a little bit shy and nervous because I have this great person like coming into my game and everybody's looking at him, looking at me, you know what I'm saying? And so it was different, but I think that coming into sports and being tall and skinny, like people really didn't know what I was good at, but they knew I was good at something. (laughs) 
Mm, interesting. So it's almost yeah. as though someone would assume that you had something to quote unquote live up to because of who your father is. But because of yeah. how you presented, you also felt as though you needed to really excel. Yes, I was. I remember I, volleyball was my first and my most favorite sport. And I just remember like being at games and just thinking to myself, like, I have to go hard. I'm the tallest one on the team. I have to get all the kills. Like, if it comes to a team that's bigger than us, we're relying on me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you say today you're someone that's hard on yourself? Yes, I think I'm pretty hard on myself now. How do you think that plays out for you in your favor or against your favor? I think it's a little mix of both. Okay. I think it it plays out against me because I have like this chip on my shoulder that I need to do everything perfect and that I need to win everything. <laughs> and also that I need to be able to like reach people while doing it. So they're in my mm. mind. It could be a competition on the outside, but then in back of my mind, I'm thinking of like steps and what I need to do, what I need to say to reach somebody, you know what I'm saying? Just to help anybody that I can and also to perform at the level and then also to meet my own standards. So I think it puts a lot of pressure on myself and I think that I can deal with pressure. That's the, this is the flaw. <laughs> this is the flaw is that I put the pressure on myself because I think I can deal with it. And then when things don't go in my favor, then I'm kind of just like super disappointed in myself and I'm just not content. And it takes me about a day or two to remember, okay, like God brought you here. His plan is bigger than your plan. Um, You don't know what your future looks like. You can only just sit here and trust and do everything that you can, but you ultimately don't know. And I think that the side, whenever my dad tells me like, you don't put pressure on yourself, don't do that to yourself. That's when I'm like, oh, okay. So I really do this and people notice it. (laughs) It's not an internal thing. Like the people around me notice it. That's when I realized, okay, maybe it's not benefiting me how I think it is. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that it's so much bigger than just the jump, right? And in that moment of the jump, there are so many different things going through your mind. I'm super intrigued by the sentiment how am I impacting someone? How am I helping someone? When do you think that those questions became part of your equation? And can you attribute that to anything? I think that that came a part of my equation um, maybe a couple years into my career. And I honestly think I remember this moment, like I strictly remember this moment, but I don't think it's the defining moment. But I remember being asked to do a Q&A with Nike and it was on global warming. And I never went to college. I was not the most stellar student in high school. And I had no clue about global warming. But I'm like this spokesperson and um, somebody's somebody's watching me. Somebody's actually watching me and waiting to take something. And I ended up informing myself and talking to people before I went and did the interview, did the interview, got good feedback. But I realized I was like, okay, this actually means something because the faces, it's just when I go and I do an interview or something and I see people's faces, like they really want to know what I'm going to say because maybe to other people, they're looking at me like, oh, she did it. And this is what I'm trying to do. And so 
I, I feel like it was one of those moments where I was doing a Q&A about something I didn't know about. And I realized like how important my words are and how important it is for me to actually like care about what I say and not just say something because I think it will sound right or because I don't want to look uneducated. You know what I'm saying? And I know that that doesn't have to do global warming doesn't have to do with the heart like and who you are. But that just made me look at things in a different perspective. Like they care so much about the global warming. I can't imagine how the people who are down and out after something bad happens feel. You know what I'm saying? Like something that I can relate. I commend you two for two things. One for wanting to do that research because you wanted to come in and not only feel prepared, but also represent yourself in such a way. And then two, having that self-awareness, right? To know, hey, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than the global warming. This is my opportunity to impact someone in a positive way, whether or not it is in relation to this topic. And to your point about, okay, well, there's people looking at me now. I over the last few years have really come into this understanding that everyone around us has an opportunity to both be our teacher and be our student. Right. Yeah. Regardless of if it's, you know, you sitting in front of a bunch of people presented with an opportunity with Nike or walking down the street to my local bodega and the guy at the cash register tells me something about his family. And I have a moment to reflect on compassion and learn something from this man in this moment. Right. It's, so helpful to go through our day to day with that lens so that we can then in turn present ourselves and who we want to be and all of us individually make an impact on the people that are around us. Yes. I no. Thank you for saying that. I'm like, when you just said, um, we all have an opportunity to be the student and the teacher around people. Like I got chills. Cause I, I do, I completely agree with you. You can learn something from anyone. doesn't matter you know, what they're doing or what they aren't doing. Like we're all born with different minds. And I think it's important just to like, even just to care, just to not care about only how we feel about something, but to actually give someone the opportunity to even make us think differently. I really love that. So thanks for saying that. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to uh, something that's been in my personal wellness toolbox for years now. That is a G1. It's my all-in-one daily greens powder that's got 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. With the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods, it's hard for me to think about what my life was like before I was regularly incorporating AG1 into my routine. No matter what is going on with my diet, how often I'm eating out, especially with the holidays, this can get a little bit nutty this time of year. I know that beginning my day with AG1 is me doing something really good and investing in my own personal health and well-being. With AG1, I have notable benefits to my energy levels. I feel more motivated and it actually tastes good. And I don't say that like it tastes good for a greens powder. Like I look forward to drinking my AG1 every single day as a standalone product. 
Of course, AG1 has a deal for you. If you want to get in on the gang today, cannot recommend it enough. Head on over to drinkag1.com slash hurdle to get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D absolutely free. Again, head on over to drinkag1.com slash hurdle to get a year's supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs with your order. That sentiment just to care. Geez, how relevant does that feel and everything that's going on right now? And I would like to think that personally, I'm the kind of person that does care all the time and tries to be kind all the time. But even more so right now with all the things that are going on in our world, I realize just how far a little bit of kindness can go and how it feels for so many people to hear someone ask, how are you today? And have them look back at me and realize that I'm genuinely waiting for an answer, right? Yes. It's so tough. It is tough. I, I was in Budapest for world championships and I was in a taxi and the guy that was driving us, he was super nice. And he was explaining to me that he used to live in LA and he was like, you know, people walk on the street in LA and they say, how are you doing with their head down? They don't look you in your eyes. So they don't one, they don't really care to know what's next. And this is like how he perceived uh, Americans, I guess. <laughs> but they don't ask you how you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like waiting to know your answer. It's just kind of a greeting. And when he said that, I was like, I don't want to be like that. Especially hearing that about my nationality in a different country. I'm like, I want to be the exact opposite. Because we're actually not like that. We're, I, I find it that people are pretty nice in America. I just came back from Korea and I'm driving in my neighborhood and my neighbors that I don't know are all like waving outside their houses. And I was like, oh, I missed it here. It's like the Barbie movie. Everyone's just yeah, like, hi, right. hi, Vashti. I was like, we relate. We relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. When was the last time that you feel like you answered the question, how are you doing, honestly? I've answered that question so many times this week that I don't know when I, I don't know, probably the last time, like my mom asked me probably. And what did you tell her? Told her everything top to bottom, laid it on her. I was like, you know how to deal with me. So here you go. I'm going to just tell you every single thing that I'm dealing with and Everything like I I talked to my mom a lot after Budapest. We sat up in the room. Our flight was the next day. We actually stayed up the whole night talking about everything because she really gets me. She's where I got the balance thing from. She told me at some point, you need balance. And I'm never going to forget that. You know what I'm saying? Because it has helped me finding balance. So I'll tell my mom exactly how I feel. But there's another part of me that doesn't want to put my feelings onto anybody because I know people deal with so much and I can carry my own feelings. (laughs) Understandable. But also just because you make it look easy carrying them doesn't mean that there aren't people to help you on your way. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I'm receiving that from you right now. I think it's really awesome that you had the opportunity to process with your mom. What else did you do when you got back from Worlds to help you move forward after that hurdle? I honestly came back and I got back to training because I had one more competition and it was hard. I can't lie. It was hard for me to come back to training. Um, I'm like very transparent. And so I'm going to always be honest with everyone, like consumers, 
my friends, peers, associates, like, I'm just going to be honest. It was hard for me to come back to training. It was hard for me to stay focused for the last competition that I had because I was just so disappointed in my results. Like, I, I just couldn't believe what had just happened. And I did not know how to move forward with the same energy and the same joy that I came into the season with. I honestly didn't know. But I, I kept going and I just kept telling myself, you know, to trust God. There was actually something. I'm going to bring this up real quick. I did an event in Oregon with another high jumper um, and it was called Hear the Glory Eugene. And so I had the track meet coming up, but I also had the event and I was supposed to share my testimony at the event. So it was like a double whammy where I was like, OK, I have one more track meet and then I have to do a public speaking about my faith. I've never, I've never, you know, spoke about how I came to Christ or what that story was never said it out loud to anyone. And so for me, I was like, so tore up mentally because I had to jump and then I had to do something like that. And so I came to the end of the competition, didn't jump very well. And I was like, Oh, I'm leaving. I'm not doing the thing tomorrow. Like I thought I was going to go into this thing tomorrow in good spirits. Like I thought I was going to be able to, yeah, I got a comeback story. Now I can say my testimony in front of all these people. And it was like the most not uplifting moment for me was like getting ready to go and share my testimony. And I remember calling my mom like three times the day that I was supposed to say my testimony. Nobody from my family was actually able to stay for it, which made it a little harder, but everybody was busy. So I was okay. I just remember calling her three times like, mom, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't have the energy to do this. My heart's not in the right place. I'm not happy to do this. I don't want to go out there and be fake on stage or be like just a negative energy. Cause I can't, I couldn't even change my face. And she like talked to me through it. Every single time that I called her, we talked on the phone for 30 minutes and I'm like, you're so busy. Like, thank you for talking to me. She had me crying on the phone. And I ended up going to the event and speaking and like my, all of my joy was restored. And I was like back to being happy. And that was the last thing that I had to do for the rest of the season. And I just was so thankful for my mom in that time. Cause I was like, this is a time that I didn't think I could get out of this funk by myself. You're not even here, but you were able to help me get out of it. And so like, I really, really cherish my mom and my dad, because they've helped me through so many things. Yeah, that really happened for you. And this idea of showing up there and finding your joy again, and that you, even when you felt alone or physically no one could be there for you, you had the understanding and gratefulness that someone is in your corner, even if they might not be next to you. And that's something, that's a lesson yeah. that I think so often we need when we feel alone, right? Is that knowing that there are people in our lives that do want to support and love you. And sometimes you just need to allow them to do it. Exactly. And this, I feel like this ties together with what we were talking about earlier of, you know, the Q and A with the global warming, just wanting to be educated and wanting, just caring how I was coming off on stage. That kind of ties to what we're saying now about like me just knowing that one person cared, even if they weren't with me, like, I want people to feel that when, whenever I talk, like even if we don't get to meet each other, shake hands, take a picture, like I would like someone to 
remember what they heard and to feel like there's a person with them just from the message. There's a, a question I ask a lot. I do a, I run a lot of female empowerment workshops and goal setting workshops as a part of the work that I do. And I always ask people, how do you want people to feel when they leave you? And yeah. if you feel as though you're not acting in a way that would enable them to feel that way, then you have to do a little bit of self-reflection work. You have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, why is it that I'm not either being my true self or holding back or acting in some kind of way? What is it that I'm trying to prove or do? Yeah. And so for you, knowing how you want people to leave when they spend time with you, you have that opportunity then to do that same reflection work. You have that opportunity to ask yourself, how am I showing up and am yeah. I putting my best foot forward? And if I'm not, what do I need to take care of so that I can again? Because I think we all have that opportunity, right? And we owe it to ourselves in our one life to show up and present that way. No, we do. You're right. We owe it to ourselves. You said that you had never shared the story publicly, really, about your journey with your faith. How old were you when you actually became really immersed in your faith? I was always immersed in my faith. But I only like, I don't know, there was just like those times because I grew up in the church, like, but my both my my parents are pastors. So there was times where I was very immersed younger, which was for me would probably be like sixth and seventh grade, maybe fifth grade. And then I would have these phases of like trying to figure out who I am and not be put in a box. And then I would have phases where and but I never lost my faith. But then I would have more moments where I'm just immersed and not really having any static stuff going around mentally. But when I turned 17 and I signed professional, um, that was a really big moment for me because I wanted nothing more than to leave and go to college. Okay. I wanted nothing more than to leave Vegas. And I ended up staying, which means that I was going to stay around all the vibes in Vegas, all the people, all the stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to stay here with it. <laughs> the stuff that I want to escape, I'm going to stay around. And so I kind of think that I leaned on God in that time. And especially in my season, like I was doing so many things for the first time, jumping against women who are older than me, traveling to states that I've never been to and out of the country. I was just like doing things that I was not accustomed to. I was just accustomed to going to school and practicing in my storage room with my whole team, my club team. And so I think that that time for me was also like, okay, well, this opportunity only came from God. So I guess I need to seek God on how to navigate this opportunity. Was there anything in particular you mentioned, like growing up in Vegas and wanting to get away from the things that you really wanted to get away from specifically? Yes, it's, just, it's it's people out here. I don't want to say it's people, but it is people. Like, I don't know what it is. I love Las Vegas. This is my home. And I will like probably always have roots here in Vegas. But there's just something about growing up in Vegas. Like, I don't know. I've seen so many people leave and just come back and get stuck here. And I've also felt ways like some people, like if I haven't seen someone in a long time, I get the notion that in their mind, I think that I'm better or that I'm like bossed up. And I just don't, I'm, I'm not really like that. I'm still, you know what I'm saying? Still do the same things that I did when I was in high school. Some of the same things. I still hang out with some of the same people, but there's just like something about Las Vegas. I always tell people that I think there's an invisible dome 
because we're surrounded by mountains. So there's an invisible dome at the top of all the mountains and it meets over the top of the city and everyone's energy and their emotions and their attitudes just goes up and it bounces right back into the dome. And so that's just how I've always felt living here is like, I can be off the grid. I can live as far as I want to in Las Vegas, but I'm always going to feel someone else's vibe somehow. (laughs) And that's like something that I just don't like. When did you feel as though the decision not to go to college and pursue this as your career and your path started to really pay off for you? I think that I saw it paying off as it was happening. I really did see it paying off. I knew I knew my dad was hitting it on the head. He told me he was like, you can make money now or you can make money in five years. Like this is an opportunity. The door is wide open and God has blessed you with this. And so I didn't even hesitate when I was talking to him about everything. It was almost like I, I just trust him so much that I know he wouldn't lead me into the wrong direction. And everything was happening at the same time. Like I remember I went to, um, world, I went to us championships in Oregon and I won, which was not expected. And then I got invited to worlds and I won worlds, which was the next week I had went home to go to school. And then I came back for the competition. And so I signed in the peak moment of me signing professional, I was experiencing success and I continued to experience it shortly after a year after. And then there's like, maybe into the fifth year or the third or fourth year of my career, things just started slowing down a little bit. And so I just remember like thinking back onto signing and I'm like, dang, that was like riding the high for sure. Like things were just looking up every corner that I turned. And so I can sit here and say, you know, every day is not supposed to be your best day. Your body is not a hundred percent every single day. Cause I've, I've done, I've been a professional for eight years now. <laughs> and so I'm like, five years ago, you know, I would have thought I was still number one, number one in the world, this, that, and you know, I'm just going through something that all athletes go through. So I definitely that got to really see the success. Are. Yeah. The success was early in my career and it's still here. It's just in ways that I don't consider success. (laughs) Yeah, that really resonates with me that every day is not going to be your best day. And I'm sure that it resonates with a lot of people listening right now because it is hard, right, to go through these periods of time that you feel like you're on top of the world. And I'm not just even talking about within sport. I, you know, have wins every once in a while with work, but there are many times, weeks, days, whatever, that it feels like nothing's clicking. And so aside from your tip on finding balance, what else do you have to say to someone who feels like it's just not clicking? Like, how do you keep persevering in the moments that it feels like you're in this valley and you just can't clear the next hurdle in front of you? I would just say to seek God, honestly, because I read my Bible and the things that I read in the Bible, I genuinely carry with me every single day. Like I put them in my purse and I zip my purse up. And when I need that, I think back to that moment. And I'm just like, God says, consider it pure joy when you trade, when you face trials of any kind, because the testing of your faith is perseverance. And so for me, it's like going through something lets me know that God is testing me because he's getting me ready for something bigger than what I think 
is coming right now. And that's like truly where I find my peace is knowing that God has a plan and just being able to read about it because like, I, I honestly don't read a lot of books. I, I only read the Bible because I feel like it feeds my soul. And that's like my go-to in times where the balance, where the shopping doesn't work and the photography and everything else doesn't work. It's like square one for me is always going to be running to the father because that's honestly where I find my joy. That's where I find my peace. That's where I gain my strength. And that's where I find my understanding on literally how to go through this life. Yeah, I think it's really knowing like where you draw inspiration from and knowing that there is solace for you and whatever feels like a resource, right? You have 75,000 people that follow you on Instagram and way more than that. If you consider the reach of your sponsors as well, those people come to your page and they see a high jumper. They see someone that's into fashion and photography and someone that is admittedly pretty tall. <laughs> when you look <laughs> in the mirror of Ashti, what is it that you see looking back at you? That is a question right there. That might be the hardest question of the day. I'm looking in the mirror right now. Today has been like a weird day for me. It's been just not, I haven't had high energy today. So when I look at myself in the mirror right now, I kind of just see like tired <laughs> But on an everyday thing, when I look at myself in the mirror, I see like I'm God's daughter. And if I don't see myself precious, I know I'm precious to him. That's like truly what I see and what I tell myself. I think uh, also what you said about today, I look at myself and I see tired. Like that's relatable. That's like how <laughs> yeah. if, if there's not one day of the next five that you don't feel that way, then I'd be like, are you even human? Right. But it's knowing that there's more. <laughs> for you that every day isn't going to be like that. And if it feels like it is like that every day right now, then knowing that there is a light and that it won't be like that every day in the future. But that starts with you, right? That starts with all the advice that you've given about how you show up for yourself and how you make momentum going forward, knowing that there's opportunity in every day, but it's up to you to create it. Oh, most definitely. It always starts in inside, like in the heart not in the microphone, in the heart. Like it always starts in your heart because what your heart's desires, well, one, God knows your heart's desires, but two, also what you have in your heart, you're willing to fight for. And so I would always just say like, yeah, self-reflect a lot because you can be the one that makes or breaks you. Nobody else can take it from you. I love that. What is in your heart you're willing to fight for? I'm going to read you back something. I still have joy. The God of peace is with me. This season is about the strength of my relationship with God, trusting his love through everything. And it's not over yet. I'm so grateful for my family, church, friends, and most importantly, my heavenly father who chose me prior to this sport. I love y'all and let's finish off strong. I read that to you because that's the caption that you wrote in the Instagram post that we talked about at the top of this podcast. And having had the opportunity to talk to you for the last 45 minutes, you told me that even after sharing this socially, you were still struggling. I say that because I think it's important to bring together the highlight reel versus the struggle, knowing that sometimes we have to go through a period where we're talking ourselves up only to get there to meet ourselves. It's that sometimes mood follows action. Can you talk a little bit about how that plays out for you? Oh, that caption was like totally for myself. That was like me writing that caption to remind myself, okay, when you get on this plane and you fly back, you're not going to sit here and be in the air for 12 hours straight thinking 
on a loop crazy things like no I have something to go back and look at it was like to let people know you know God got me but it was also really for me like I had to remind myself this is what you do and this is what you're doing and this is just like this is the the proof right here like you know God has you you know the work that you've put in this season remember that and don't get caught up in the moment. So for me, it was like, okay, let me just remind myself with something like Instagram. Okay. I know I got to make a, I was like, I know I got to make a post real soon here. I'm not ready to make a post. I don't want to make a post. So how can I actually get myself to do this Mm. and not be fake? I commend you for knowing your heart and knowing the right way to show up in that moment. And it perfectly leads us into the last question that I ask all of my guests right now. You have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice going through the hurdle moment. Let's say the one that we talked about, not specifically about this last world champs, but just of riding the highs and embracing the lows. You talk so beautifully about knowing that not every day is going to be your best day. So what advice do you offer yourself knowing what you know now to manage those hurdle moments? This might be a little bit off, but like my advice to myself is to, when I wake up every morning, get out of the bed and actually start something. Because for me, it it does start right in my room when I wake up. If I sit there and I lay down or if I go onto my phone, I'm ruining my day in the morning. Like I'm just not one of those people who can wake up and like stay down. I have to get up in order to give myself the best opportunity for the day because I actually need to follow that advice. So right now that is my advice to myself. It might not be the same advice a month from now, but like right now, get up and get the day started, girl. That's my advice. (laughs) Get up and start something. Vashti, I really loved this conversation. I'm so happy that we were able to have it. For those that don't follow along with you just yet on social, let me know how they can do that. Okay. Um, If you guys want to follow me on Instagram, my name is... Bash Tizzle. It's V A S H T I Z Z L E. <laughs> I'm over at Emily Body and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>